What are you there for? What are you there for? And you may say, well, don't you mean what are you here for? I kind of mean that, but I, I really mean there for. Why are you where you are at? What are you there for? What are you living for? What is your purpose? Whether you're a, a parent or a grandparent, a, a co-worker, a neighbor, a teacher, a, a store worker, a friend, a family member, wherever God has placed you, wherever you find yourself right now, what are you there for? Many, many people, and I'll tell you the the overwhelmingly number, great number of people today are unhappy. Look at our world. Look at our culture. They are unfulfilled. They are unsatisfied with how their life has turned out. You can look around and people are not happy. Many, many people look around. They are sad. They are depressed. They are lonely in these days. They are confused. And really, it's an epidemic in our day. And I'll just tell you tonight, I believe the reason why is because most people, I believe, are missing their purpose. That's what I believe. They're missing their purpose. They're missing their there for. Get this tonight. Having a mixed up purpose, not understanding your purpose, having a mixed up purpose will result in misplaced priorities. And having misplaced priorities will result in having meaningless pursuits. Now, that's a great truth. Listen to that again. Having a mixed-up purpose will result in misplaced priorities. And having misplaced priorities will result in having meaningless pursuits. In your life, if you do not know your purpose, listen, you're going to miss out on the joy that God has for you in life. You're going to miss out on the contentment that he has for you in life. Well, listen to me tonight. Hear this tonight. Tonight on the 18th night of our revival, Peter is writing to stir us up. Peter is writing to remind us of God's truth, encouraging us that we would stand. And tonight I want you to hear me, listen to me. Your purpose as a believer, our purpose as believers is to lead people to Jesus. That is why we exist. That is our mission. That is our purpose. That is the mission of the church. It is to lead people to Jesus. By God's design, in his wisdom, in his plan, your purpose as a believer is to lead people to Jesus. Now, as fast as I say that, most of us go, well, maybe them. Maybe those younger ones. Or maybe, maybe those, those folks over there. Maybe, maybe those with more time. I'm at a busy place in my life. Maybe those with more time. Or maybe those with a different personality. You know, I'm an introvert, don't you? Friends, listen to me. Your purpose, if you are saved, is to lead people to Jesus. It is what you are there for. That's the truth of Scripture. Well, tonight our message is entitled, Therefore. Our verses tonight are found in 1 Peter chapter 4, moving into the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 
Beginning in the first verse, it says this, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and again we praise you, we thank you. We're thankful that tonight as we come, as we gather, we have peace tonight, that we have hope tonight, that we have the forgiveness of our sin in the person of Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that we have your word tonight, and I pray that tonight is not a normal night. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word, and I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice, and I pray that it would bear much fruit, a great impact on this very night. Lord, I pray that you're known in this night. I pray that you're pleased. I pray that you're glorified. I pray for some that do not know you, that this very hour in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might turn to you and trust you in faith. I pray that every hindrance to that would be removed. Lord, we again, we give you this hour. We ask that you move powerfully in it. We pray that it's for your name's sake, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Be very sure tonight, the Christian life is to be anything but normal. Now hear that. The Christian life is to be anything but normal. Now it could be hard at times. It could be strange at times, weird at times. It will be interesting, but the Christian life, walking with Jesus Christ, should be anything but normal. I wonder what Peter would think if he watched us today. And I, I was thinking about that this afternoon. Now, I wonder what he would think if he watched us today. If he watched what we did as followers of Jesus Christ, if he watched how we lived, if he watched our church, if he watched, came and watched our services, I wonder what he would say if he watched us today. I wonder if he would say, this is way too normal. I wonder if he'd say, well, you know what? In our day, we got chased around. In our day, we preached to small groups. We also preached to large crowds. In our day, we met the politicians. We preached to the politicians. In our day, we prayed all night. In our day, we saw lives that were changed all around us. Our own lives were changed. I wonder if he would say, this is far too normal. Well, tonight in our verses, Peter really calls them, those that he's writing to, and in doing so, he calls us to up it a notch. When we read these verses, that's really what happens. He calls them to be next level. He calls us to be next level. That's what these verses are tonight. 
All right, let's go to our verses, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It starts off and it says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh. Now, he's talked about that several times. He was just talking about that subject. Remember tonight, Jesus is our example. He suffered to save us. He endured great suffering in order that we would find a way of salvation, that we would have a means of salvation. Well, now we look to him. He suffered for the greater good. He suffered for our salvation. Well, now he is our example. In suffering, we look to Jesus as our example. Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, the verse goes on, arm yourselves for the same purpose. Arm yourselves for the same purpose. The word arm translates, means prepare yourself, ready yourself, resolve yourself. I think that's probably the best translation. Resolve yourself for the same purpose. That means for suffering. And so as Christ suffered, prepare yourself, resolve yourself also to suffer. Now remember when I said this is a call to be next level. We'll see this. This is to actually say standing for Christ comes at great suffering. Speaking the truth of Jesus comes at great suffering. Spreading the gospel comes with great suffering. And I am fully knowing this, deciding to suffer. Now, do you see how radical that is? Do, do you see how that's so next level? Understanding that standing for Christ, preaching the gospel comes with suffering, I am resolving, I am deciding to suffer. I'm preparing, I'm making myself ready to suffer. Today, we have to be ready to say, Jesus, I believe these are your words. I believe this is your gospel and it is good news. I love you enough to say, I am all in. That's what this is talking about. Nothing is held back. I am all in. Whatever it costs, it's going to cost. Whatever it takes, that's fine. That's what it's going to take. And I am all in. That's what it's saying. Jesus, I am all in. Here's our problem. We like a little in. We like some in. We like not too much in. When the reality is it is impossible to follow Jesus and be less than all in. Now, I don't know how we've, we've come to that conclusion that we, we could do something else. It is impossible to follow Jesus Christ and be less than all in. Friends, in the service of Jesus, listen to me tonight. It is all in or it is nothing in. It cannot be somewhere in the middle. Now, I want to stop right here for just a second. This is our 18th night. Peter said on the first night he was writing to stir us up by way of reminder, the truth of God's word. Our prayer, hopefully, prayerfully, has been that God would stir us up that these 30 days would impact us, wouldn't leave us the same. Well, maybe tonight, 
our prayer is, God, as you stir me up, help me to be all in. Help me to let go of some stuff. Help me to to put all my eggs in this basket. God, as I hear your word, as I hear your promises, Lord, help me to not hold anything back but to be all in. Maybe that's our response tonight. Maybe that's our prayer tonight. God, help me on this night to be all in. goes on and it says, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now that sounds weird. Let me explain it to you. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The word ceased translates is done with, is done with sin. It literally means has left off, has left off sinning. Now understand here, it's not talking about Jesus. He never sinned. He can't stop sinning. He never started sinning. He has never sinned. And so it is talking about tonight those fully committing to the cause of Christ so much so that they are ready, decided to suffer. Now, what this means is when you take this step, when you go next level for the cause of Jesus Christ, even to the point that you're resolving to suffer, the attractiveness of walking in sin goes way down. And that's what this verse is saying. Now listen, do we sin? Yes. Do we struggle with sin? Yes, of course we do. But as our goal has changed and as our focus has changed, so has our relationship with sin. We're saying we're all in, even if it costs us in suffering. And as that happens, the attractiveness of sin goes down. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 2, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Now, verse 2 explains this to us. We are committed to speaking the gospel. That's why we're here. We're committed to standing for the truth of the gospel. That's why we're here. That is the priority. That is the goal. And to do that, here's what it says, our purpose has also shifted. When we take up that cause, when we're totally committed to it, our purpose has now shifted. We no longer serve ourselves. We no longer chase our own sinful desires. We no longer live for the things of the world. We live the verse says, for the will of God. We live for the will of God. Now, friends, I want to I say something. I want to point something out. Be very sure tonight, living in the will of God is the best way to live. Living in the will of God is the best thing to do. It's the best way to live. Sometimes we come along and we act like, oh, the sacrifice of living in the will of God. Oh, the drudgery of living in the will of God. I want you to understand tonight, Living in the will of God is living in the wisdom of God. How awesome is that? Living in the will of God is living in the goodness of God. How awesome is that? Living in the will of God is being right where you should be in the grace of God. Listen to me tonight. If you can be anywhere in your life, be in the will of God. Verse 2 again. So as to live the rest of your time in the flesh no longer 
for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Verse 3. For the time, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. The time is sufficient. That's what verse says, for the time is sufficient. Now that translates, is enough, has sufficed. The time has sufficed to carry out the way of the Gentiles. Now that word, the way of the Gentiles, it means like pagan people. That's what it means, like lost people. Now let me put this to you in, in Route 2 Vernon translation. Peter says right here, believers, you've wasted enough time looking like lost people. That's what he says. Believers, you've wasted enough time acting like lost people. He gives us a list here. Sensuality means lewdness, indecent, no moral restriction. Lust means fleshly desires, coveting. You want what you want. Whatever you want, that's what you want. Drunkenness means being overcome or influenced by alcohol. Being overcome by alcohol, being influenced by alcohol, you talk differently, you walk differently, you think and you respond differently under the influence of alcohol. That's what it says, drunkenness, carousing. It means the lusts that are revealed in drunkenness. It literally means roving around in drunken lust. Roving around in drunken lust. Drinking parties, assembling with the goal of drunkenness. Abominable idolatries means lawless, profane worship and holding of false idols. That could take many different shapes. Here's what Peter says. Those things take away from the mission. Those things are opposed to the goal. Here's what he literally says. Those things are a waste of time in the life of a believer committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Don't those things sound like our world today? Isn't that how much of our world lives today? Isn't that the description of our days? Peter says you've left that behind. It doesn't match what we're doing anymore. It doesn't match who you are anymore. He says this, don't waste your time and go back to those things. I think it's interesting how a main factor in achieving a goal and not achieving a goal, and I'm talking about whatever thing you're trying to do, whatever the area is, a main factor in achieving that thing and not achieving that thing is making the best use of your time. That's, that's a generally held truth. It is maximizing your time. Whatever your goal is, whatever you set as, the, as your goal, the, the, the key to succeeding in that is not wasting your time, but being efficient in your time, maximizing your time. Peter says, we've taken it up a notch. We've gone next level. So leave these things and do not waste any more time. Verse 4. In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. 
Now, verse 4, all through Acts, and now here in, in 1 Peter keeps happening. The culture can't stand, the world can't stand for you to walk with Jesus Christ. I said that last night. I don't know why that is. I don't know why they care. I don't know why they don't applaud it. But the world can't stand for you to walk with Jesus Christ. The world can't stand for you to for sure serve the mission of Jesus Christ. And it says here they are surprised. They can't imagine. It makes no sense why you would not run with them into dissipation. That's what it says. Interesting word. It translates wastefulness. Again, wastefulness. Get this tonight, hear this. All living, all living outside of the will of God is a waste. It's a waste. It's a waste of effort. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of reputation. God's and yours the same. It's a waste of opportunity. They can't imagine, why would you not do these things? We're having such a great time. Why would you not run to these things? I was reading, and I found a Roman politician, a Roman historian, Tacitus, and these things that we're talking about, they were actually the Roman lifestyle. It was a sign of success for them. It was fun and enjoyment. And that's what they thought success was. You, you eat and you drink and you party and you enjoy life to excess. This historian, this Roman historian, he watched believers as they abstained. Now remember the word for abstain two nights ago means to trade up, to leave one thing and in leaving one thing to turn to a better thing. Well, he watched believers as they abstained, as they didn't do these things. These are the great things of life. These are the fun things of life. And he watches believers as they abstain, as they withdraw from these things. And he couldn't understand it. He thought they were missing out. Why would you do this? And he wrote all those years ago, it appears believers hate their lives. That's what he thought. They must not like life. They must hate their lives. Why are they trying to punish themselves? I thought about that for a little bit. In one way, he's wrong. And I'll just tell you, believers are blessed. That's what the Bible says. And this is actually the best way to live. And, and, I, and I imagine you would agree with me. When, when you live according to the word of God, when you miss this nonsense, you miss a whole lot of drama in your life. You miss a whole lot of trouble in your life. And so in one way, he's wrong. Believers are blessed. Living according to the direction of the word of God is the best way to live. But in another way, he is right. Remember the words of Jesus. We are to hate these lives, these worldly lives, these sinful lives. We are to love him and we're to love his life. We're actually to live his life. Well, verse 4 says these folks can't understand that. And so here's what they do. They do it all the way through. Here's what they do. They malign you. They, don't, they can't understand it, so they malign you. Again, it translates heap abuse on. They heap abuse on you. Verse 5. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and 
the dead. Now here's the truth of verse 5. Lost people are condemned. And in the end day, all those that are alive, all those that have died as well, they will give an account and they will be punished. Now understand verse 5 is a very stark verse. Now when we read verse 5, it comes and it goes pretty quickly. We read across it, there it goes. It's very matter of fact. And I'm going to tell you this, honestly, when we read verse 5, many times we're kind of okay with it. These folks are attacking the believers. They're maligning the believers. And so they're going to be punished. That's fine. That's okay. We move across the verse. Well, I want to tell you, as we look at verse 5, it ought to remind us tonight why we are urgent. It ought to remind us tonight why we are willing to suffer. It ought to remind us tonight why we have the purpose of telling people about Jesus. Here's the truth of verse 5. The truth of verse 5 is this. Lost people, any person lost, all people lost, anyone not having placed their faith in the person of Jesus Christ, no matter how generous they were, no matter if they were your neighbor or your grandmother, no matter whether you liked them or you didn't like them, those outside of Christ, they are judged and punished and it is eternal. That's what verse 5 says. They're, they're going to suffer an eternal punishment for not knowing, trusting, putting their faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says God takes no pleasure in the punishment of the wicked. We should not as well. It shouldn't be fine with us as well. It ought to bother us when people will miss Christ and suffer justly, yes, but suffer eternally. All right, verse 6. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Now, verse 6 is the truth of the preached gospel. Now, I want you to stay with me. I'm going to explain this to you. Verse 6 is the truth of the preached gospel. Because the lost will perish, because judgment is sure, for this purpose, because of that, the gospel has been preached. That in the hearing of the gospel, the receiving of the gospel, they're going to be judged, yes, but by faith in Jesus, they will have life in their spirit through faith in Jesus. That is the will of God. That is the plan of God. They are lost, but in the hearing of the gospel, trusting Jesus, they have life in Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. For that reason, we preach. That's what it's saying. For that reason, we are urgent. For that reason, the whole set of verses, we are willing to suffer. I want you to notice something here. It says, even to those dead. Now, there are some that misunderstand. There's a couple places that they tie together, and they say we preach to the dead. Those that have already died, we preach to them. We've already passed through this once, and they get another chance. That's not what it's talking about. That's not what the Bible teaches. It means we preached even to those that have died, even to those that are dead that have died. And though they are judged, they live in Christ. Now, let me explain what's happening here. It is a common thing, the church is growing, the gospel is spreading, and there's a misunderstanding that exists. It happened in the church 
in Thessalonica as well. Paul addresses it there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. These lost people are saying, we thought y'all had life. We thought you had eternal life. You've been talking about life in Jesus, eternal life, and yet y'all are dying like us. Y'all die just like we do. You go to funerals just like we do. Now, here's what they're saying to these folks. You didn't party like us. You didn't enjoy life like us, and now you're dead, and so what was the point to ever trusting Christ? That's what they're saying. What was the point? You're dying just like we are. And Peter says, we preached it faithfully. We preached it consistently. And while these folks that are dead, when they were alive, they heard it. And yes, they may be physically dead. They may be dying physically like y'all are. But by the grace of God and the reception of the gospel, they are alive in spirit. Here's the thing. These lost folks couldn't understand it. Placing your faith in Jesus is the best way to live. Oh, listen. Placing your faith in Jesus is the best way to live. He blesses it. He rewards it. He protects us. He shows us grace. Placing your faith in Jesus is the best way to live. Here's what they couldn't understand. It's also the best way to die. And those who had found Jesus, whether they were alive or whether they had died, the Bible says this, Peter says this, they would never be disappointed. Look what they died, they missed out. No, it's the best way to live and in Christ. Hey, it's the only way to die. You will never be disappointed. Friends, we're gonna wrap this up. Here's the deal. Our purpose is to proclaim Jesus. Our purpose is to proclaim Jesus. Those outside of Christ, those that have never trusted Jesus, they will perish. And I wanna tell you our job, your job, my job, our job, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a farmer, or the, whether you're a salesman, or whether you're a retired person, or you're a student here tonight, or you're a young person, or you're an old person, your purpose is to tell folks of Jesus. Why are you there? Why are you where God has placed you? Listen to me. It's to tell people about Jesus. God knows where you're at. God's wise in his plan. You may say, I don't know how I'm here. I don't know why I'm there. I don't know why God has kept me there. Listen to me. God has placed you where you are at. Therefore, that you would point people to Jesus. That's why we exist. Let's pray. During Father, we come. We praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. We worship you. We're, we're so thankful for your truth. And I pray as we've passed through it that you've opened our eyes, that you've spoken to us. I pray that it's shaped us. And I pray tonight as we've heard this, that we would burn inside to lead people to Jesus. That we would know it's urgent, that it's imperative. You're to come very soon, shortly. And those outside of Christ will perish. Lord, help us to take that to heart. Help us to believe that. Lord, if you need to, help us stay awake tonight and consider that. And I pray whether we're at the grocery sack or the parts store or the school or sitting with friends or at a table with family that we're prepared to give an account for the hope that's within us for the glory of Christ. Lord, help us to understand this. And Lord, I pray as, as we endeavor to be faithful, that you empower us, but as we endeavor to be faithful, that there will be a great harvest. And I pray for some even here tonight that they would hear 
There is a Savior, Jesus. There is a hope in our Savior. They would turn and trust you tonight and that it would bear fruit this very night. Lord, we love you. We give this to you. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The reason we exist is to tell people about Jesus. The reason we are where we are at is to tell people about Jesus. I want to tell you the, the point of all that. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, man, this seems like a crazy thing to get that worked up about. Maybe you're listening in a different way saying, what's the big deal? Maybe we're just here to enjoy life. Listen, the reason this is a big deal is because there's hope in Christ. There's an answer in Christ. There's peace in Christ. And those not hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ will miss it. They will perish outside of it. If you're listening tonight and you've never trusted Jesus, I want to tell you it's offered to you tonight. If you'll turn to him tonight, he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll give you his own righteousness to wear. You'll be reconciled to a holy God. If you'll trust him tonight, he'll save you tonight. If you've never done that, turn to him tonight. If you've never done that, turn to him tonight. Lord God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. I ask that you come into my heart, forgive me, save me. Help me best I can to turn, to repent from my sin and to walk with you in faith. If you'll pray that prayer, if you'll say those words, if it'll be the, the fruit of your mouth because it's the meaning of your heart, God will save you tonight. If you've never done that, do that tonight. If you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you say, you know what, I've become too normal, I've become too apathetic, I've become too common in our world, maybe your response is that God stirred me back up. Put in my vision somebody that needs Christ. Put in my vision somebody that's going to perish and needs hope. And let me be the ambassador of that hope. Maybe that's your prayer tonight. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If God has spoken to you, if he's speaking to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. Maybe you want to come pray to front. You come as well. If we stand and sing. If you have a decision to make, you come on. I'll meet you here. <laughs>